War is a universal language. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Whether you need photography, videography, aerial drone photography, web design, podcast support, or technical support, EliasRoushMedia.com has you covered. Today we are discussing Captain Marvel 2019, directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck directors and writers of uh, what the hell have they written before they've, they've written a couple of things um, both of these writer director combos have uh, tackled the movie they were part of Half Nelson 2006 Sugar 2008 and it's a it's kind of a funny story in 2010 and so they've been um, working on those projects, specifically writing and directing those. And individually, they've uh, directed um, television shows such as The Big C, The Affair, Billions, and um, Ryan Flick has that, and that was Anna Bowden's uh, t- television. Um, uh, and so, yeah, and so is uh, Ryan Fleck. Ryan Fleck has also went, uh, directed, he was part of HBO's The Room, sorry, Room 104. He was uh, directed Red Tent on that. Um, Billions, The Affair, and Looking. And so these these writer-directors uh, are well-versed in, you know, working with each other, and they are responsible for bringing Captain Marvel to the big screen. And so this movie on $152 million is honestly the major stepping stone the majority of fans are looking for between Avengers Infinity War and the Avengers Endgame uh, sequel. So uh, how much does this influence that? How much is it correlated to it? That's what we're about to talk about. I guess there's sort of spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. So if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've had, you've already listening, you've already watched Avengers Infinity War and the post credit scenes. And so same thing with Captain Marvel. Um, the, the, the thing about Captain Marvel is two hours uh, four minutes. Let's do this synopsis real quick so I can help you understand what's going on in this. Uh, it's kind of it is very much of a stepping stone of a movie, but Captain Marvel is an extraterrestrial Kree warrior who finds herself caught in the middle of an intergalactic battle between her people and the Skrulls. Living on Earth in 1995, she keeps having reoccurring memories of another life as a U.S. Air Force pilot, Carol Danvers. With help from Nick Fury, Captain Marvel tries to uncover the secrets of her past while harnessing her special powers to end the war with the evil Skrulls. So it's it's a mouthful. It's, it's a mega jam-packed movie, and with saying that, I think that for people that are well versed in the Marvel cinematic universe and I guess superheroes in general, 
I would say this is a slightly above average film. I would give it around a 7 to an 8 out of 10, mostly because I think the charisma of uh, Brie Larson as Carol Danvers and Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury and obviously Ben Mendelsohn all really, and Jude, Jude Law too, it's hard not to like these individuals. They all are excellent actors in generally almost anything they're in. And so putting them together is hard to fuck up. But I would say some of the writing in this was a little bland. I, w- I was a little bit unimpressed with the uh, the types of fighting scenes. It's slightly complicated when it comes to... Um, such an easy story it's such an it seems like an easy narrative to explain but it's also predictable at the same time and it's not exactly unfolded unwell it's not told in the easiest fashion and sometimes information's kept from the audience or the or the uh main character because of plot convenience and there is a lot of that there's a lot of plot convenience throughout the majority of this movie and uh i you can't ignore that the thing is are you going to have a good time is someone that you know that has seen tons and tons of footage of superheroes you know comic books and you know uh things like that adapted to the screen i'd say it's an acceptable stepping stone between the two avengers um movies but it's hard to match that you know because because there's so many other superheroes that kind of have the same type of uh power suit and dc has it it feels very much like they're taking from the the dc handout book and that's um that when i say that i mean the majority of Marvel characters have been very focused on real life people that have, you know, enhanced themselves, you know, this, that, or the other, just a little bit. But they're not gods. In DC, they're they're pretty much gods, and so Captain Marvel very much feels like a hero from the DC universe in the way that it's uh, she's presented. Now, I, I. I enjoyed my time watching Captain Marvel, and I would overall recommend it to somebody that has not, um, or that is curious about seeing it. I think it's an enjoyable ride, and there's some decent iconography in there that will be a feel-good time for the majority of people, and for women, especially on uh, you know Happy International Women's Day, by the way. Uh, women, I believe, are going to especially enjoy this because this she very much feels like a female Superman. And the way it's presented, um, I think tonally and thematically, they take uh, they they take iconography from other movies such as uh, Star Trek, and uh, I would say a little bit of Star. I got a little bit of Star Warsian feel in there, and um, they really play their hand with the Brie Larson, um, you know, feminist pro-feminist agenda and I'm not saying that in a bad way I'm just saying that you know it's extremely female empowered uh movie and you know let's do it let's do it I, I I enjoyed it and I I enjoyed the side quirks of the character it okay so let me explain this a little bit more for someone that has not seen the movie there are scenes in the movie that feel like they are 
talking directly at the people who were criticizing the trailer and saying, oh, she needs to smile more. Oh, she needs to do this. You know, she needs to do that. She needs to, she, you know, uh, she, being criticized as a superhero feels very much like what this movie is um, taking on. And I do appreciate that. I appreciate the, the, the movie acknowledging how much um, backlash there has been against this character for almost absolutely no reason. I would say just because she's a, a female, she's getting all this ridiculous hate, which is completely unacceptable. You, if if you're not going to like a movie, if you're not going to like a character, so be it. Don't don't lash out at a per, at the actor or actress because of it. It's not you know it's just a property. It's just it's just a movie. So it's not the end all be all. Just because you know she's there's a, a female playing. Uh, uh, you know, a pro-feminist character. I mean, I have absolutely nothing wrong with it, mostly, mostly because we don't get this kind of character on screen ever. And, and it's important for um, women to feel empowered, especially if you're watching a movie like this. So I think from that side, I think they definitely um, tackle that message. I can see why some people are going to just revolt against it, and that's just probably your personality type versus you're just not interested in this type of storytelling and type of message. And there's, I'm not going to say there's anything, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to go tackle that message and, you know, tell people, you know, their equal opportunity is the way it's, uh, you know, it has to be, but, you know, that's my personal beliefs. And, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this podcast to say, you know, super equal opportunity because I just self am, I believe it already. So I don't want to have to reiterate myself. So that's why it's important to have these types of movies to push the, push the agenda forward, make it equal opportunity, have someone that, you know, um, men and women, uh, you know, not just, not just women that men can look up to too. She's got a great message to send to both genders. And, uh, it's besides the writing and plot convenience, I think it overall has a solid message. And that's why I'm kind of giving this a little bit more leniency than some of the other Marvel films. Black Panther was a step forward for the the black community in superhero, superhero comics adapted on screen. This is a step forward for women. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's pro women in every way possible. And, you know, empowering self-identity and being who you are, no matter who you are. And I think you can take that message away from it, uh, you know, depending, you know, no matter how much you, how good you thought the fight scenes or the choreography, I thought it had a solid message. Now, with saying all of that, I think there's, you know, this movie is a little bit of a mess. So, um... Let me see if I can do a three-part breakdown real quick for anyone that has not seen it, what I thought about. Just the the intro is a little hanky-panky getting it together, but once it started getting going, I was really enjoying it. I'd say I enjoyed it the majority of the, you know, the second half and leading into the third half. Third half gets a little clunky, and that's where it uh, becomes much more formulaic and slightly predictable. And so that's... Uh, 
that's kind of how I can sum summarize it, you know. Low week at the beginning, low week at the end, but I really enjoyed the ride. So that's Captain Marvel, spoiler-free. Um, anything else? Music, titles. Oh, there's some great Stanley uh, um, title sequencing that, you know, help is, is great for the remembrance of Stan Lee, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, um, let, let me see. The music, a little bit too whimsical and a little bit too... The overall, the film just, uh, I never felt like I was ever in real danger. And I think that's that's ultimately a problem. And her not having strictly defined powers is a little bit difficult as well. So let's hop into spoilers. Let's do spoilers for Captain Marvel starting right now. You better have seen Captain Marvel, otherwise you're about to get spoiled. So... After watching Captain Marvel, uh, I didn't really do a character breakdown in in, um, in the spoiler-free section, so maybe I can do that real quick. Um, first of all, costume design and all the designs of the aliens I thought looked really good. I did not think the writing was always on par. The humor is kind of... I'm, I'm not one of those per- people that are like solely against Marvel humor, but I like my... Humor just a little bit dirtier, a little bit more brash, a little bit edgy, you know, dark humor, just a tad bit. And the 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 Marvel humor is so safe all the time. It's uh, a little I don't know. There's one scene with uh, what's his name, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Nick Fury is do- looking at the alien's crotch or something like that. He's he's like, what the fuck? And it's it's like one of it's it's not even a line. It's something that Samuel does. He like picks up, you know, the towel that's covering the dead alien to check, see what kind of genitals he has like that. It's like fucking it's just weird and it's uh it's quirky and we don't get that kind of uh most of that type of humor in Marvel, and that's that's the kind of humor that's you know just gross out a little bit, and it's funny, and it's and it's subtle. It doesn't need to be strictly pointed out. A lot of the times, Marvel has to you know make a joke, point it out, say how it's wrong, how it's stupid, and you know you move on and you you forget about it. There's not many. I, I can't say there's tons of great jokes, um, but that was one of the good ones in this. Um, ben Mendelsohn obviously is fantabulous. Fantabulous, yeah, he was fantabulous because fantabulous is Talos, um, the uh, the the alien who was bad at the beginning and then he turns good, and vice versa for Cap uh, Captain Marvel's team at the beginning. Jude Law is good at the beginning. We find out he's bad. It, it was just like a hanky panky way of turning everything on its set and on its head. I I think I want to point out. Whenever Brie Larson met up with her co-pilot, who I really liked, Lasha, Lashana Lynch as Maria Maria Rambuo. If I can speak English, <laughs> sorry, Maria. When when Carol meets up with Maria on that ranch, uh, it it's, it slows the movie down for me. It just completely comes to a halt, and it's just tons of exposition. And then we have. Uh, Taylor's come down and they, you know, they basically team up with the aliens kind of thing. And so I was just like, this is where I'm starting to lose, you know, some of my focus. Once Ben Mendelsohn was not the 
main antagonist anymore. It just seemed like, ah, I don't like where this is going. What's her name? Uh, Annette Benning as uh, the Supreme Intelligence slash Marvel. She's she's excellent. I she was kind of like in Wonder Woman what uh, Robin Wright was, kind of the old uh, the the older Marvel hero that Captain the, the Captain Marvel has to look up to. So there's you know the wise one that everyone has to look up to. I'm, I'm not trying to say she's, you know, old. She just happens to be old, the older version of <laughs> Captain Marvel. But uh, she's still got it going on. She can whoop some ass. I just thought the power beams and all of that, just it was so ill-defined when it came to, to Captain Marvel's um, power. It just seemed she was like Superman and she needs to be as powerful as she needs to be. And that type of storytelling can be dangerous. It's almost like time. It's almost like shape shifting. Um, how, how the scrolls were shape shifting for the first half, which pretty much gets, um, you know, it, it gets dismissed by the second, third half of the movie. It was almost going to be like, you know, who do we trust? Cause we don't know who's who, but, um, also, the the whole point of having the scrolls turn into people just was a crazy idea and you needed to, the only way you could tell if they were not scrolls is if you uh, um sat them down and interviewed them to, about their childhood which didn't make any fucking sense to me and am, am i missing something cuz i'm pretty sure carol danvers when they first when she's accusing samuel l of uh possibly not being um possibly being a scroll in the in the bar back in the day or when she first meets up with him, they sit down and he talks about his childhood, like a child who he could have made up right off the top. I don't, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me that Carol Danvers would know anything about his, um, his, his former life as a kid or even anything younger or anything at all. I didn't, none of that made any sense to me. So, um, maybe, Maybe I need to go rewatch it or something like that. Maybe they had had like a, a longer relationship or a friendship before that that I was unaware of. But I was like, this doesn't make sense to me at the moment. Also, I thought they were going to go a little bit harder with the 90s, um, the 90s theme or tone or whatever you want to call it. Um, the way they advertised it, I want to say... It was one of the only trailers I wanted to see before. I, I don't like watching trailers before I go in. I like watching them after I see the movie, so it, I get to see you know all the special effects, all the stuff for the first time on this on the big screen, or you know the, for the first time in the movie, and it's not spoiled. But this was one of the first marketing trailers that I saw a few months ago, and the way I felt like they were really selling it was fish out of water, buddy cop movie. Um, this is what we got to do. It felt very. Um, like, okay, this is how it's going to go, but um, it also felt like there was a lot better pacing to it in the trailer, which I hate sometimes. Sometimes the trailer's cut in a way that you think it's going to be a faster-paced movie, and it's not, and it's like, eh. But I can't say I was bored at all. I was just saying some of the pacing in it was not as, uh, you know, on, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy-esque as you would probably expect. Guardians of the Galaxy had an amazing way using the soundtrack and score as a way to, you know, emphasize the story and boost it in a way that narratively moved it forward. Captain Marvel 
just picks random songs from the 90s that are self-empowerment, mostly female-related, which is nothing, not like, once I said, nothing's wrong with any of this, but none of it had tonal or thematic sense, considering she, she doesn't ever feel 200% engrossed by the 90s, or it's like it's super overbearing, but it's just like, um, it just felt like, okay, we have a list of songs and we need, let's play some of these, some of these, some of these, some of these. And they, it, it felt a little bit out of sequence. And, uh, I've seen some comments saying that they think a lot of some back, the backlash on this seems to be that there is, uh, it's a rush job and it's too much of a story that feels like it's trying to hold two movies together. And, I respectfully disagree with that. I think that this definitely etched out a part. It, it's created its own character in a way that was unique. And you do watch the majority of the movie not really knowing who you're who you're cheering for till about you know the hour thirty minute mark. And I don't have anything wrong with that. And I I I liked the female empowerment. Uh, message and editing they did with it, you know the way the way she would stand up and it would it would cut to her standing up at different ages, you know. Uh, it, it reminded me of the, what do we fall? What do we do if we fall, Mister Wayne? You know, we we get back up or something like that. And so that's what I I, I was playing that Alfred clip in my head. So sorry if that was a shitty Alfred impression, but that's what it sounded. I just kept thinking of, we get back up, you know, and uh, that's that's what I was thinking of during those editing scenes. And I thought some of the editing was you know slick, the cinematography and. Uh, uh, the way that the colors popped off were were really cool on her when she had her powers um, going, but really it was ill-defined and it didn't make tons of sense the way it, it was portrayed. And uh, it, there's a lot of holes within the plot. So overall, I liked it, didn't love it. I'm ready for Endgame. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention about Deus Ex Goose. The Goose Cat evidently has the Tesseract removed uh, Nick Fury's eye. That was just bizarre how that happened. And it was Deus Ex Goose. I mean, the Goose Cat decided to attack when it wanted, and that's not the kind of shit I want to see. I want to see it naturally progress to, if it's going to attack, attack all the time, learn how to attack, that type of thing. It, don't don't attack because of plot convenience. So that was my thing. Um, the de-aging technology looked amazing on Samuel L. Jackson. I heard it's probably because they have just tons of footage to to use. Uh, Nick Colson, uh, was it Colson? I don't remember his first name, but Colson was, um, looked pretty good. That guy is just a, he's always a solid actor, but there's, they don't ever seem to give him that much to do ever since the first Avengers, in my opinion. I, I feel like they've always let him down and Nick Fury's just slightly overshadowed him. I don't know. Maybe it might be the writing. Um, let me see anything else we need to add. The suits, the different suits looked amazing. Um, Powers, like I said, they were kind of iffy and a little bit from the DC handbook. Um, just it, it just seemed like that. that's what it looked like. And uh, Jude Law turned into the evil bad guy at the, the end. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. Just 
eh, it was kind of a hammy ending at the end, and that's that's, and he was just supposed to be a big front for alpha maleism or something like that. You know, you you need to smile more, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you know she doesn't need to do shit, and so. I, I totally understand why why they went with that, but it didn't ultimately seem like they um, had this written out for the entire time. It felt like it might have been a couple resh- reshoots or something like that. But um, yeah, so check out the rest of the Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail dot com for questions, comments, concerns. Um, email us on that. Uh, check out the Twitch stream. We are occasionally twitching and streaming and you know, live streaming some of these podcasts, so you can ask some questions on there as well. We have many more podcasts coming down the tube. Um, recently, we have checked out The Umbrella Academy on Netflix, um, Leaving Neverland on HBO. That was like a four-hour documentary plus an Oprah interview, so we got... We've covered the entire thing and released um, the Russian Doll show on Netflix, Doom Patrol on DC, and we just released Game of Thrones season one wrap up. Check out that on Lucky Dog Podcasts, all in the library. Thank you for listening. And take it easy. no idea what threats are out there. We can't do this alone. We need you. I'm not what you think I am.